2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we are loaded up. Plenty to uh, parse through. Got to hear from and meet the Nebraska coordinators today Marcus Satterfield and uh, Mr. Tony. Defensive coordinator Tony White. Numbers to get involved with us today on Hale Varsity Radio can dial up at 466 466 37 825-5865 can watch the show different ways to do it. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel uh, is alive and well and can uh, chime in on that. Can also watch Via Twitter. A couple of different ways. The Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at Hvarcity Radio. Give that a follow. ESPN Lincoln. Give that a follow on Twitter and on Facebook with ESPN Lincoln. So, on the program, we'll spend time with Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His thoughts as we move into a pretty heavy basketball weekend in the prep circuit as well as Nebraska-Minnesota. Get his takeaways from Nebraska football's two coordinators in their press conference in Hour 2. We'll catch up with the Pride of Fairberry, NBC Sports, the professors Bill Dolman, uh, Billy D. in one hour. And then Brady Altman's from Hale Varsity also to uh, jump in and uh, talk some Nebraska football with us. Elijah, you're fired up. You're good to go. It's uh, Friday. Been an odd week with just uh, our schedule, and we're back into a new year and uh, back with some some buzzwords that Nebraska fans love to hear. More importantly, they'll love to see come spring football and fall, but uh, the right notes were hit by both coordinators. Yeah, how could I not
3: be fired up today, Schmitty? We got the, the huddle and the fullback coming back to Nebraska's offense. I mean, <laughs> like I had like, people, text from people that I know, like they're not even huge Husker football fans, at least in recent years, and they're texting me, the fullback's coming back, and I go, yeah, baby, it's coming back. Like, this is not just a, like a, a football nerd type thing. This is kind of like everyone saying, oh,
2: the fullback's coming back. Maybe Nebraska might be coming back. know you you have a fullback that means you're a tough football team fair to say you look at some of the 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 more physical offenses in college football or how the world lives in the big 10 not everybody uses a fullback but uh, we will get into a fullback uh, contest with uh, with one bill dolman in one hour we'll uh, we'll go around the the horn and the first person that can't name a fullback uh is is gonna lose the contest it it's might it might, it might be me it
3: might be me you that, guys have that, a, a deeper a... a deeper list of, obsession of in your head. yeah i <laughs> mean whatever I, I was like getting into football in the mid-2000s that's when the fullback was going away so i know a few and i'm gonna save all my answers for next hour so i don't get bounced from this competition quickly but i'm a little you're worried right.
2: you're you're okay no, it's uh it's pretty good. We'll hear from from Coach Satterfield and and Coach White here in a moment, so uh, you can put uh, your ears to what we're talking about with uh, Nebraska and and their identity, what they want to be. But uh, there are just things that that are said that that really excite Nebraska football fans, and and fullback and tight ends and run the ball are uh, are just a few of those words that. Nebraska fans are excited about. Let me ask this. I and mean, right now, somewhere, uh, e- either he's traveling or somewhere in Omaha, our old boy Joel McAvick has a, a prideful tear running down a cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, or our friend Tom Rathman right now is fist-pumping. Or Corey Schlesinger's staring at a wall of busted face masks and nodding appropriately. Like Robert Redford in the uh, Jeremiah Johnson gif that that lives on forever in Twitter, but no, it, it's it's a good thing. And I thought what what Coach Satterfield talked about when he emphasized the huddle. It sounds who, uh, huddle fullback. Who right? Who cares? Well, Nebraskans care. And and his point of of why he loves the huddle, why he likes Stone Age football is because of what it breeds and it breeds communication it it breeds leadership it breeds moments in time that you can kind of point back to of where success was had and he went into it a little bit we'll hear in a moment huddle wise and he touched on joe montana and one of the funniest things joe montana ever said if you hear from some of his former teammates is that final two-minute drive uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Points were tough to come by. John Taylor on a slant route to, to win it at the end. And it was a lot of checkdowns check to former Husker fullback Roger Craig and, of course, Tom Rathman, right, that Nebraska backfield. We smile and think about a lot. But in the huddle, it's tense. There's Hall of Famers all over that, that 49ers team. And <laughs> you have Joe Montana kind of pointing. The game was in Tampa. It's like, oh, you're of your life, right, if you're Joe Montana. You've already won a Super Bowl, but you're going for another. And he points, hey, look, there's John Candy. <laughs> John Candy uh, not guys, let's uh, rally the troops, let's blow. I mean, no, it was just a moment of just levity where John, Hensley, oh yeah, there's John Candy in the front row. Look, he's out here to watch, just go win this ball game and kind of loosen things up. So uh, let's spend a minute here uh, with Marcus Satterfield and uh, let's just get right to the, the red meat here. Cut three the offense the offense nebraskans will see the offense nebraskans will will cheer and the offense nebraskans uh really appreciate it's not option but it is physical this is coach satterfield on
4: what type of offense nebraska will implore moving forward under the rule era we're going to be a pro style offense like we actually get in a huddle which is kind of taboo these days like we're going to get in a huddle and call football plays and uh, we're going to use tight ends and we're going to use a fullback and we're going to, we're going to, you know, run the football. We understand to be successful in the Big Ten, you've got to be able to run the football because you're going to play late in the season in some interesting weather games and you can't just throw the ball, you know, all over the field. So uh, I see that, you know, we're starting from the standpoint of just being the physicality and playing good, clean football. And uh, I think that, you know, we're off to a good start with our recruiting.
2: That was Coach Satterfield touching on the pro-style offense, the fullbacks, the offense, and uh, just what Nebraskans will uh, see on the field. The offense and the Big Ten, a little more from Coach Satterfield and how his offense will fit in the league. And that's one thing that Coach Rules talked about, uh, the, the times he's been in front of the media with how do you, how do you win in, in the Big Ten? You You win by taking care of the football, holding on to the football by stopping the run and, and running the football. More from Satterfield on that offense that fit in the Big Ten.
4: I mean, I think it's perfect, to be honest with you, just from a standpoint of, like, we are a little bit old school. Like, we're going to run the football. Like, everything's going to be you know start with winning the line of scrimmage and running the ball. You know, all the different throws and play actions and stuff come off of running the football. So I think in order to win in this league, you got to be tough, you got to be blue collar, and you got to run the football, and you got to win the line of scrimmage, and that's where our offense starts. You know, I look at the Big Ten as a blue collar, tough league, full of tough guys. You know, playing tough games. It seems like every game's a one or two score game every single Saturday, whether you're at home or whether you're away. So, I think that that's uh, that's the way you got to play, and I think that's a recipe for you know when you ultimately want to get to where we're going, you know, where we're going to be winning championships. You've got to play that style. I mean, very few people have won. You know national championships, championships, doing it the other way. So this is how it gets done and gets
2: down for the Nebraska offense. Again, this is what we're hearing. This is what you're going to see moving forward, and I think you're all all right with it if, if, it's an, if you're a Nebraska fan, uh, assuming it, it, it works. I don't think you care how wins come as long as they happen. And Elijah, as you look at Nebraska's roster right now, is there a fullback on the roster? No.
3: Th- there could be some guys that I think realistically you could flex over from the tight end spot. A guy we talked about yesterday. So the
2: H-back, right? wide uh, a a y- well, checks of the world.
3: Yeah, we we talked uh, yesterday about Nate Borkinger. He's a guy that I think would probably fit pretty well moving back into a, a tight end slash fullback H-back type role. And that's maybe what Satterfield's referring to more. Or Maybe there's... Roster changes coming with guys in this roster. Saying, you know what, you're a tight end right now. We think you. I mean, maybe AJ Rollins is a guy that maybe could move over to the the, the fullback spot. Uh, he's pretty athletic out of the backfield. Would be a, a change of pace type fullback. That's what we're seeing with with fullback, especially in the pro style, as he's talking about. When you look at guys like Kyle Usechek with the 49ers, that's a guy that can go be athletic out of the backfield and go catch passes. And oh, guess what? He loves blocking too. Or I mean, even. You look at the 49ers as well. They move Kittle back into the backfield occasionally too and let him mm-hmm. operate as a fullback. And, and I think maybe that's what he's referring to when he's talking about a, a pro style of utilizing the fullback. Obviously the fullback's going to block, but I wonder what the, the modern fullback looks like in Marcus Satterfield's mind, how he wants to utilize him in this offense. Because it's not going to look like the 90s. It could be closer than an offense that doesn't have a fullback. But I, I think with the way football's moving, you need a, a fullback. If you're going to put him back there, he's got to be more than just a blocker, though his primary purpose may be blocking.
2: No, it's absolutely that H-back that role. And let, let's do the old checklist for, for a fullback. What what characteristics accompany a fullback? Well, he probably drives a truck. Mm-hmm. Four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably a, a Cope or Skull. Right? Yeah. Bush Light, maybe butt heavy. I, I say butt-heavy. He's a butt-heavy kind but, of guy. Butt-heavy. Uh, your, your offensive linemen are
3: your bushlight individuals. I, in my humble opinion, the fullback's the butt-heavy guy.
2: Okay. <laughs> there, there is hunting gear in said vehicle.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I'm, you know, Janovich is just thought bubbling right now. Uh, you probably own some camouflage to, to go along with, with said hunting gear. And I'm not, like, mocking or knocking. I'm saying this is what your fullback is. Uh, Coy Schlesinger was a demolition derby guy, okay? Uh, They probably wrestled and and made a few people cry in their day. They uh, moonlighted as linebacker on defense on their high school football team, and they probably love or are good at long days and hard days uh, in in a rural setting. There's a lot of folks to choose from within the state of Nebraska, Uh, that can come in and and get that fullback job done for you. More on the offensive mindset here from Satterfield.
4: Well, When I think of Nebraska, I think of hard work, blue collar, chip on their shoulder, Midwest, tough, 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 tough kids, and uh, you know, a coach we talked to that used to coach here gave us some great advice like, you know, build your line of scrimmage with Nebraska kids and they'll die for Nebraska, and that's what I kind of I've adopted in my mindset, and that's what I think that, you know, is going to be a good recipe for us to have success on offense.
2: So, let's hear about the huddle crusade. Elijah, you've been in a lot of huddles, mm-hmm. and you've seen football shift to the cue cards, the hand signals, the one word, the fake, or the clap, snap, and it's okay to, to go throwback. It's okay to have a huddle. It's okay to burn some clock, and keep uh, hammering away. Well,
4: I'll, I'll also but he's, say... But
2: he's, he's really adamant about the the need. <laughs> the need for a huddle in football. Well, I'll also say I think there is also, not necessarily a need,
3: but there's a useful time and place for going tempo as well. And I, sure. I, I like his... If his mentality is to go huddle every single play, I don't mind it. I, I prefer going huddle every single play as opposed to going hurry up every single play, and I say it as a guy who... Back in high school, we ran hurry up. We, we ran no huddle my senior year. We, we had the wristbands. We all looked over the sideline. It was a slick system. Worked well against a high school defense. But you look at the college level, there's a time and place for tempo in the college game. You know what? If you picked up four yards uh, with a rushing play on first and 10, you don't need to hustle up to the line and, and go tempo for second and six. I mean, the amount of t- uh, personnel you're probably changing in that situation is more important than getting the defense off guard. But then there's the, you know what, we just picked up a 40-yard chunk run play. Let's get up to the line of scrimmage. Let's run a play quickly and catch this defense on their heels. That, that's what I'm saying when there's a time and a place for tempo. But I, I like what Satterfield's saying about, about wanting to get back to the huddle and getting back to the roots of football.
4: Here is Satterfield on that huddle crusade. You don't really want to go down this path, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm on a crusade about the huddle. Like, the huddle is is the the heart and soul of football. Uh, you cannot tr- you cannot teach the leadership moments. You can't script the leadership moments that happen in a huddle. If you talk to uh, any football player that played in a huddle, they're always going to talk about funny things that happened in a huddle. This guy was puking in a huddle. This guy ripped my, you know what, in the huddle. This guy, you know, Joe Montana goes in the huddle and says, hey, we're going to really go down you know 75 yards and win this game. So there's all these moments that happen in a huddle, And then I think, how do you ask your quarterback to be a leader if he never talks? Today's football has become, you know, clapping my hands for a snap count. And the coach is signaling plays on cue cards. And so, and then they complain about the quarterback not being a vocal leader. Well, when does he have a chance to lead? And I think in a huddle and the way that we play football, it gives our quarterbacks, you know, a chance to be a vocal, point, a vocal leader on our offense.
2: Always got to have that why, right? And it's very... Fair. Uh, this is why he loves the huddle. Does it translate to wins in the Big Ten with this new staff? Saying all the right things. They got a spring to get some work done, and beyond. They've done it on the recruiting trail. Jacob Bedell is next. Thanks for spending time a Friday here with you on Hale Varsity, presented by Currency.
1: And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity
2: Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We say hi to Jacob Padilla. He is still at Memorial Stadium on the sixth floor. Good Husker backdrop for him at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, how's uh, Friday treating you? Thanks for the time.
5: Uh, going pretty well. Got to two-for-one down here in Lincoln today. Uh, heard from Fred Hoiberg in St. Briso in the morning and followed it up with the the two new football coordinators. So, a lot happening today.
2: Yeah, we will get into Fred and in Nebraska tomorrow. Also, the prep weekend here in a little bit, but get your takeaways from Coach Santerfield uh, first and then a uh, thought on, on Coach White as uh, it's been a, a talking point here since the hire, that 3-3-5 defense. We've just uh, fawned over fullbacks, tight ends, in the huddle the first 15 minutes.
5: Yeah, I just filed uh, the fullback story. Um, I figured, <laughs> eh, one of us has to grab it, so I'll, I'll jump on that one. Uh, that, that and the huddle portion of it, too. Um, apparently, Satterfield is uh, on a personal crusade to bring back the huddle in football. Um, so I wrote a little bit about that. That certainly stood up. Probably the thing from him that jumped out to me most and, uh, was – Listening to him talk about Donovan Royola and how he was kind of the one that's like, all right, hey, after spending 30 minutes with him, it's like we need to keep this guy. Um, just loved everything uh, about him and the way he operated uh, as a coach. Um, talked to to Matt Rule about, hey, um, we got to make a decision here, and I, I think this should be the guy. So um, I know that that was one of uh, Rule's early decisions that. Uh, was, um, certainly raised some eyebrows, uh, choosing to to retain Royola, but um, certainly has a fan in his corner in Marcus Satterfield, who is is his offensive coordinator now.
3: Jacob, before we dive too into the nuts and bolts of what Satterfield said today, and and that was a good take on Royola, not discrediting you there at all. I just want to get your take. Your favorite fullback of all time is who? <laughs> uh,
5: it's probably uh, probably have to go with Janovich because mm-hmm. he was the the only one that I've covered since they went away after that, that <laughs>
2: <laughs> well we're gonna go out on a limb and say we're gonna go Jano we love Jano he was awesome and I think Les Miles's kid was the last fullback recruited
5: yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> Jacob. That miles, I believe,
5: correct. Uh, yeah, Ben. Uh, thank
2: you. I was I was grasping for the kid's first name, and he transferred down to A and M, I think. And yeah, uh, so uh, Mike Riley uh, at least brought a fullback in, as part of a recruiting class. And no, it it'll be good. And we're just we're, we're spitballing. I want to get your take too. And, and Elijah had a good thought. Last segment uh, with, with some, uh, some fullback options for Nebraska just because you don't have a, a recruited fullback in the running back room. Not that you can't turn guys into that, but if we're thinking out loud here about some of the H-backs or tight ends in that room, who are, who are a couple of guys you think can, can transition and, and be uh, that lead blocker for some of Nebraska's uh, running, running game?
5: That's a good question. Be um, curious to see what I mean. We haven't seen a lot of these guys in that fallback in that tight end room uh, to begin with. I think maybe uh, Brody Tagaloa, who came to Nebraska as a defensive uh, defensive lineman recruit, I believe um, mm-hmm. flipped over to tight end. Uh, listed six three two sixty. That could be a guy that kind of fits that mold. Um, Uh, That's kind of one that just jumps off the the top of the page to me. Um, I I think he probably is uh, the best answer um, for if you're looking for just kind of a big, strong guy that can get in there and uh, uh, clear the way for the running backs. He might be an option. Okay, stick,
3: Mm -hmm. Stick with me here, Jacob. But if you're looking on the defensive side of the ball, it's something you've seen in football as well. You bring the defensive lineman over third and short, you know, third and goal, whatever. You bring the defensive lineman and let him get a push. Wait, well, is there any defensive linemen you look at as a guy that, you know what, he could maybe make it as a fullback?
5: Huh, um, That's a good one. I know the, we, we've seen some guys do it in the past that uh, have moved on. Um, it would be a lot of fun just seeing a guy like Nash Huttmacher uh, out there. I don't know that he would be a, a great option for this. haven't seen any of these guys really in that role um uh, another guy if we're looking for uh, a guy who has kind of some experience in that that role um maybe a guy like garrett snodgrass who played <laughs> quarterback he played fullback he played whatever tight end he, you could pl- he played basically every single position for for york high school um he's a guy that maybe you, um, if you're looking for a little bit more of a dynamic option there as opposed to just the big space eater uh snodgrass on the defensive side of the ball could be an option hmm.
2: Sue, back in the day, was lined up at, at fullback, and it wasn't enough for him to rip people apart on the line of scrimmage. He uh, got, some, got a running start to do so uh, a few times and even caught a, a couple of passes, I think, from Joey Gans. Jacob Adil is with us. He's at Memorial Stadium. It's Hale-Var City Radio reaction to Coach Satterfield. And Coach White, their press conferences today. Jacob, before basketball, a uh, thought, what, what stuck out to you about Coach White and the Nebraska defensive side of things?
5: Yeah, I, I, I didn't uh, focus in too closely about kind of the details of what he said, but just kind of listening to the talk, he, the energy, um, the, mm-hmm. the enthusiasm, that certainly translated. Um, sound like he was really comfortable up there and excited about uh, being here and having this opportunity. Um, and sounds like he's a guy. I think he's uh, ho- hopefully we get a uh, regular coordinator availability because he sounds like a guy that I think uh, will be fun to, to hear from moving forward.
3: Jacob, what would you make of uh, what both coordinators had to say about the, the, the youth within the, the staffs? I mean, they're both almost the older guys in the room whenever they're both in their, their forties. So well, what do you make of how they responded to, you know what Matt roll wants a younger staff and we're kind of for it.
5: Yeah. T- Tony white, uh, the, objected to uh mitch sherman's uh classification of uh 46 as old for (laughs) for satterfield So do I. but yeah it is certainly interesting the way that 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 matt rule has assembled his staff and he said this is what i'm what i want and he went out and brought guys that that fit that mold and we've seen him and i think satterfield talked about it as well just with the way that rule has helped him throughout his career and the way he's developed him as a, a coach. And I think that's kind of the plan to move forward to do it with others. And you've got those two coordinators there as kind of the, 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 the big voices in the various, in the respective rooms. Um, and Rule is going to be involved in a, a lot of that, some of the day-to-day stuff and kind of helping those, those younger coaches kind of figure out things as they go to step in to take on some, some responsibilities here and there so that they can grow and potentially Get, get promotions down the line, get bigger jobs down the line. That's what he's done his whole career, and it looks to be the plan again here at Nebraska.
2: Jacob, basketball thoughts as Coach Hoiberg in Nebraska got to have tomorrow plenty of season left, but uh, you have certain road games that are more winnable than others. Nebraska's been really good at home. Uh, shake out this Minnesota-Nebraska showdown that tips at 11 tomorrow.
5: Yeah, that's, like you said, this is the most winnable road game left on the season just based on uh, what the schedule looks like and the the teams in the Big Ten. Uh, Basically, everybody in the Big Ten is in the top 100 for Kempom. And then there's uh, Minnesota way down there at 191. They're the worst offensive team in the Big Ten and they're the worst defensive team in the Big Ten. The only team with a, a negative net rating there between the two sides of the ball, so... Is a team that they've been kind of ravaged by injuries for a second straight year. Um, and we've seen Jamison Battle, who had a great year last year, averaged 17 a game, shot 37% from three almost. Missed the first four games and hasn't totally been himself since he's come back. Um, he's not not shooting the ball well at all. Um, Dawson Garcia transferred in from North Carolina after starting his career at, at Marquette. He is a Minnesota native, so kind of back at home lean them in scoring at 14 a game, not shooting the ball particularly well from deep, but he ha- is capable of stepping out and knocking down shots uh, as a pick-and-pop threat. Uh, um, those are kind of the main guys. And then Taylor Cooper, who uh, transferred from Moorhead State, has one of the more uh, kind of most interesting shot profiles I've ever seen. He is shooting like almost 56% from three and 38% from two and 51% from the free throw line. So he, he's shooting better from three-point range than he is inside the arc or from the charity stripe. Not sure I've ever seen that before. So he's six, four point guard transfer, averaging uh, close to seven assists a game. So playmaker there. Um, so those are kind of the three main guys that Nebraska's going to have to worry about. Uh, and the thing that's interesting is Minnesota's a bad defensive team, but the one thing they do well is they, uh, they make it tough for you to score inside the arc. They, uh, their kind of two-point percentage allowed is the strength of their defense which also happens to be the strength of Nebraska's offense um, they, they don't shoot the ball well from three or the free throw line, but they're efficient inside the arc largely because of Derek Walker. Um, so it's kind of a strength on strength in this matchup uh, in terms of um, finding a way for Nebraska to, to be effective inside the arc because that's where they score the majority of their points. And that's where Minnesota's strongest.
3: Jacob, defensively, it feels like Nebraska's had more success this year when they've been able to run their opponent off the three-point line, force them to take some mid-range twos. Is that possible or is that going to be a likely game plan for this Husker team on Saturday?
5: I'm sure that's that's their game plan all, all season long. Uh, they've got the, the big guy waiting at the rim. Uh, they're going to close out hard, try to chase you off the line. Uh, they've had success with it uh, in multiple games. Minnesota or Michigan State rather, uh, happened to hit almost every single one they took. Um, I went through and counted. I I think there were 10 of 15 uh, on the mid-range looks in the first half when they built up that 22-point lead against Nebraska. It looked like a team that had studied Nebraska's um, defensive style and was equipped to take advantage of it. They shot the ball well in that game. I don't know uh, that Minnesota is equipped the same way. Um, We'll see if they can hit those tough shots. Um, I think Nebraska is betting that they won't, and that's kind of the the trade-off. That's what they're going to do all season long. They're not the as good as they've been, as scrappy as they've been on defense. They're not the type of team that can take everything away from you. Um, they just don't have the elite personnel up and down the lineup. Um, so they have to win as a team, and they have to they have to kind of pick their poison and uh, hope contested mid range shots are the ones that uh, Fred Hoiberg is willing to live with. Uh, Michigan State happened to hit them, uh, and that's how they won that game big in addition to nebraska not being able to make anything uh open or otherwise uh, on the other end in the first half so uh, um that'll be the game plan all season long for the most part and it's it'll just be a matter of whether or not the other team can can pick it apart and and beat nebraska that way
2: jacob hang on i want two minutes on the other side if that's okay to get your take on creighton yukon and also the prep weekend is that all right bud Jacob's like, yes, sir. Uh, Get your subscription now. Log on, hailvarsity.com backslash offer to get the magazine, to get the digital. That is a wonderful combo for you. More with Jacob Padilla. He's at the sixth floor media center for Memorial Stadium. More with Jacob on the way.
1: Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at
2: HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out at Tail Varsity on a Friday. Presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Jacob Padilla, kind enough to give us a few more minutes. Fellas, I'm being uh, stalked here by uh, the Labradoodle that's at 85 pounds now. And the German Shepherd to my right, right. They think it's uh, it's dinner time. So if I get uh, ripped from my chair, just continue on, please, both of you, uh, <laughs> as they're uh, they're they're eyeing me, or they just want to hear more of what Jacob has to say. I think it's probably a little of both. Jacob, we we talked Nebraska basketball. Give us the the rundown here on Creighton uh, as they've been playing better. UConn, I know, stubbed their toe. Not long ago, but man, UConn's looking like a one seed as you look at their body of work. How do the Jays stack up tomorrow morning? Jacob, you are on mute. Uh, let's see if I can, Jacob's uh, on mute. There we go. Th- reset it. There we go, bud.
5: Thanks, Elijah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, U- UConn was looking like the uh, the best team in the country, and then they suddenly dropped two in a row. And come uh, coming into this game against Creighton. On Saturday, obviously looking to, to get off the side. Um, they have a fearsome uh, duo in the middle in Ottawa Nogo and Donovan Klingen, the 7 2 freshman. But Creighton has Ryan Kochbrenner back and looking like himself. And that has kind of transformed everything for the Jays. They've looked so much better. The competition level has fallen off a little bit and they've gotten Kochbrenner back. So that it, it's a different team than they were for the second half of that, that losing streak. Um, but I, I'm looking forward, like, I won't be able to watch this one live because Nebraska is playing at the same time, but looking forward to seeing kind of how that, that big man battle turns out because Kolf Brenner definitely got the better of Snogo the last time they played last season. Um, so, and I know he, uh, there's some comments there about when Snogo was kind of picked as the preseason conference uh, player of the year. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, like he felt confident in his own abilities and, um, so that, that I mean that that'll be a big part of that game. Whoever gets the, the better uh, of that battle in the middle, if uh, whoever can stay out of foul trouble and continue to impact the the the, the game, will will give their give their team a, a big boost there. Um, but it sh- should be a fun one on Saturday.
3: Jacob, more surprising in your mind has it been Creighton's early season struggles or, or Nebraska's relative success, at least on at home on the home floor? Uh, taking at least Purdue down to the wire, uh, getting a big win over Creighton, getting a big win over Iowa. Uh, what's been more surprising to you?
5: Definitely Creighton struggles. I thought Nebraska had a chance to be something like this, um, just based on the, the the players they brought in, the makeup of the roster, the the things that Fred Hoiberg was saying and was highlighting as the kind of the points of emphasis for this team. Um, I thought this is kind of what they had a chance to be, where they, they were a scrappy team uh, that would be able to to pull out some wins more, more than they did last year. Uh, and that's kind of what they've done. Uh, and they have still got to show that they can make strides on offense in order to be more than that, uh, more than the team. That's just kind of, uh, annoying versus a team that actually has a chance to make some noise in the conference. But, um, yeah, not terribly surprised the, the we've come to find out about the, the illness, to call Renner like nobody saw that coming obviously. And that is a huge part of, of the team struggles. Um, cause you look at the start of that losing streak, it was against two of the best teams in the country at that point, um, in Arizona and, and Texas. So those are separate from the, the games that came after that with Nebraska and the, the teams out in, uh, the, the games out in Vegas where they didn't even have Kochbrenner at all. Um, and he was sick playing before that previously. So, um, definitely Nebraska, Nebraska, I think I expected that them to be something like this. The the Korean struggles uh were a little bit more of a surprise, but they're looking more recently like the team that w- we thought they could be.
2: Jacob Prep weekend, uh what's on the hardwood?
5: Yeah, I uh, I think I'm sticking around tonight to uh to watch uh Scottsbluff at Waverly. I haven't seen either one of those teams. I saw a lot of uh the Class A Metro games last week, so I wanted to kind of step outside that, take take in uh, different different kind of uh different class there um teams that i hadn't seen yet previously so Scott's bluff waverly both solid teams in class B. i'm um, looking forward to seeing them tonight um and man i still still can't make heads or tails of lincoln <laughs> the lincoln high goes and wins the, the 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 hack title and boys and girls shout out to that school um and then they immediately follow up and the boys lose to to lincoln north star who uh it just looking at the, the lincoln right now i I don't know how you can say who the best team in in Lincoln is. Um, All of them are competitive. They're they're all pretty darn good. And so you got Southeast and Southwest tonight. Um, Yes, we will. (laughs) Yeah, that that plays big into that. I think both those teams are struggling a bit offensively uh, recently, uh, both looking to kind of get out of this rut and get back to looking like the team that we thought they could be coming into the season. Uh, And then Northeast and Southeast, I I think uh, tomorrow night uh, is one of – is on the schedule, so that's another – um And then is it Southwest and Lincoln High, something like that. There, I know there's some some big matchups down in Lincoln this weekend that maybe will offer some some more clarity on kind of the Lincoln hierarchy, or maybe not. Maybe it'll just be more chaos. <laughs> I, I think
2: uh in any given quarter, you could have a, a Wow Lincoln circled, right? A, a Wow Lincoln team. East yeah. has looked good. Pius has bounced back. North Star started off pretty decent. Northeast is really good until uh, Bell West uh, kind of flipped the switch pre-break. Southeast has their moments. Absolutely, Southwest has had their moments. And, and then it's about the consistency part of things. And uh, But it's a lot of fun. I mean, Elijah and me and, and Will and uh, mozi and, and Connor, we've all had a, had a chance to see some really fun matchups this year. But uh, you can also stub your toe as we've seen uh, night in, night out. So Jacob, we'll let you get back to it, man. Thank you so much for jumping on with us and giving us a few minutes. And we'll be uh, looking forward to your Husker recap against Minnesota, bud.
5: All right. Sounds good. Thanks guys.
2: Thanks. There he is. Jacob Padilla with us on Hale Varsity, uh, doing some OT with us from the stadium. Uh, Brady Altman's next hour and uh, Bill Dolman in about 20 minutes. Uh, Let's hear a little bit from Coach White and uh, his time in front of the podium today as uh, Coach White was able to dial up a lot of things, uh, specifically opportunity, but let's go with fitting that defense into Big Ten play.
6: Well, we got a chance to play Purdue when I was at Syracuse, and uh, now that's a – that's uh, you know, they were more of the, the the passing offense right there, but still, in terms of attitude-wise, they were a physical team, big team, um, you know, kind of established their will at the line of scrimmage, and, uh, you know, for us, it was it was just a it was just a different game. But uh, I think nowadays, you know, Coach Rule, one of the things he did was he was big on studies. You know, he's a big football guy, and one of the things he sent me was how, the personnel groupings and stuff in the in the Big Ten last year and. Uh, You know, surprising to see that 11 personnel was was the top amongst, I think, everyone but one one team. So um, uh, you get that with obviously in the bowl games, you got a chance to see uh, Syracuse against Minnesota. You saw Illinois versus Mississippi State. So really, it's a it's a it's a deal that that, you know, we're going to have to account for. And and really, our personnel comes into play. You know, we got to I got to be able to put our guys in the best position to make plays.
2: That's been the theme, Elijah, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, our guys, it's versatility, and how do they kind of adapt and adjust it to Big Ten football with the personnel they have.
3: And one thing I loved about that answer is that he pronounced the S in Illinois. He called it Illinois, and I love that
2: for some reason. We'll wind down hour one on the way with Hale Varsity.
6: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity.
3: And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off the full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: And now
2: and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. That'll be on the podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, can always catch the show uh, on those platforms, either individualized segments or the full show. And can watch the show with Varsity YouTube, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence. Bill Dolman, 10 minutes from now, Brady Altman's. We haven't done a stake in a beer bet for a while, and there's uh, eight teams vying for some postseason. We may have to do a a best-of forecast, my friend, around 540. I'm just like, uh, yes, let's make it happen. Well, well, you know what we could do?
3: You know what we could hmm? do? For the stake in a beer, we could do a collection of, say, that's got to be an odd number, five games out of five a best of five we see who gets the most picks right best of five that's the winner stake in a beer bet well we can discuss monday
2: yeah done easy that is great best thing you're going to see in here today uh is the news on on uh damar hamlin uh his breathing tube's been removed uh was able to facetime with his teammates and uh has begun able to communicate uh, that was the breathing tube removed overnight uh, per the physicians at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, the progress and his recovery has been absolutely remarkable. His neurological function remains intact that the word from the physicians and he's able to communicate. He's able to talk and he's gone from gripping and holding hands with loved ones and moving his feet to, being able to write messages to loved ones to now from where Monday was to now Friday FaceTime his teammates and, and really via Zoom uh, just communicate and and share what he's been through and what his team means to him and what, what the, the teammates, what he means to them. I mean, so it's really pretty awesome. And from, uh, from what Coach I've... McDermott was – Touching on that a little bit. Go ahead.
3: I will just going to say, from, from what I've seen and heard from people on Twitter and Facebook who are doctors, at least claim to be doctors, and from my dad, who used to be an ear nurse, is we're not talking about living a, a normal life. and We're talking this guy could potentially come back and play football again uh, should the, the recovery go well, and that's, I don't think, it's something anyone was even thinking about on Monday, but now if the neurological function remains intact and if... Uh, there aren't any lingering heart issues, we could be talking about a future where Demar Hamlin could be playing football again someday. And obviously, I, I don't want to speculate too much, and I don't claim to be a doctor. There, this is just relaying what I've been seeing and hearing, but that that remains a possibility. And just the the shift from four days ago, Monday Night Football, where he's lying on the field, more worried if it's a, yeah. a, you know if he's going to live or die. Now we're talking about maybe he could be playing football again in the future. That's just remarkable. It's a testament to. What prayer can do, it's a testament to what those doctors and nurses who were caring for him were able to pull off this week. It's just incredible all around, the, the turnover uh, from, you know, what we were talking about Monday night and
2: Tuesday morning to what we're talking about now. A little bit from uh, Sean McDermott. Give me one second. Uh,
0: uh, Nate Bresky is our head trainer, and so um, just like anything else, that whole team, our medical team, they, they, go, th- they go through their exercise Uh, mock exercises for things like this but we uh, are never around to see that when they do that and um, as they say practice pays off And, and it did in this case but again the context of it for for an assistant to find himself at that position and needing to take the action that he did and step up and take charge like he did and there were others on the field as well
2: um That was Sean McDermott, Bill Dolman, next hour with us on Hale Varsity. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. The professor, Bill Dolman, is with us. I tried to get Fabio to say hi to both of you. And the uh, kind of wave, Junior's a little camera shy. He is home. Uh, we are gearing up for the old Southwest-Southeast battle tonight at the nest here locally in Lincoln. It's been the uh, the Bill Dolman World Tour here, Billy D. Good to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on. How are you? You're muted, cowboy. Uh,
7: Nebraska, you know, uh, after all of the travels of the past couple of weeks, to be able to be back home, it's kind of nice. Although I'm coming to you from a hotel room, parts unknown.
2: Look at you! <laughs> I was trying to see. I'm on the Ram. you're on the yeah, Dolmans on the run. What what is that behind you? What 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 picture are we working with? You can watch the show, Hale Varsity YouTube or Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter, ESPN, Lincoln Twitter. But uh, is that a a winter type I, I, setting I don't know.
7: It's some picture? Kind of, some kind of voodoo thing that they got going on here. That's that's really all I can tell you. It's it's got interesting yeah. mood lighting and. Bill, I know you've been an actor in your
2: Is there past. there a camera but... off to the side? <laughs> <what>
7: I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shooting another Furniture Row commercial, but that's no. what you're getting
2: at. No, I, wasn't. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be Furniture Row or <laughs> we picked up some additional acting. <laughs> uh, no, There's not no, a no, guy no, in bro. a beret and sunglasses saying, Cut! <laughs> 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 hey,
7: you know, by the way, I, I, I was uh, watching... Watching, watching the show yesterday, you guys haven't been sued by Mitch Sherman for that still frame photo that you put up when uh, he's on have
2: you? No, no, I have not. We've offered Mitch to come on the stream yard, but he's always, you know, hammering away on the keyboard. He's working. So, no, I have not. But we'll I'll, I'll bring that up to him. Dolman wants to know if you've got uh, any lawsuit. Pending against us because of what photo we use. I got to figure you. if we still got the old photo we used of Dolman somewhere on here because I think well, we... there's the one of the mattress that I sent you where uh-huh. you're laying on a mattress with a blonde. For I got the one on. <laughs> yeah, the old mat. What was that Denver mattress you used to pimp? What's that? Was that Denver mattress you used to pimp? Yeah, yeah, front row, for, uh, for, uh, furniture row.
7: And, okay. uh, and Denver mattress. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
7: Yeah. And remember uh, I remember the time also that I was uh, Chris the sales guy.
4: That well, was a low right. point in my yeah. career. <laughs> you,
2: you and Will Farrell selling mattresses with neck <laughs> tattoos. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Bill, we're gonna play the, the the fullback burnout game. We'll do that in a moment. But yeah. uh your reaction to both coordinators today as they met the media. Mr. White, yeah, science, defensive coordinator, and uh, Marcus Satterfield, who uh, loves him some huddle.
7: Yeah, he sure does. I thought they were great. You know, I think that they're great representatives for the kind of people that Matt Rule wants to put on his staff and bring to Nebraska. I think they both have a real good understanding of what I have said over and over and over on this show for many years, even through the uh, since the four year case of the flu and all of the problems, Nebraska still matters. And when you hear those those guys talk about the opportunity that they've been giving, they understand that coming to Nebraska is a significant move for them. It's a great opportunity. Uh, for wherever they want to go in their career, and maybe this is where they want to be for their career. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks have done fairly well in the past by staying at Nebraska for the long term. But when when uh, when Matt Rule went, uh, went all uh, blondie with um, Marcus Satterfield and said, call me, and uh, dropped the Debbie Harry line, you know, m- he wanted to come to Nebraska. He left South Carolina, a, a, a program in the SEC that's trending upward. And he left South Carolina to come to Nebraska because Nebraska still matters. Tony White saw this as a great opportunity. You know, they were they were despondent at Syracuse when when Tony White announced that he was leaving. So I think Nebraska fans ought to feel really good about where this program is right now in terms of the kind of character, the people, the youthful energy on that staff that Matt Rule has assembled. And based on what we've seen in recruiting and what you know continues to go on with recruiting and the transfer portal, you know everything is trending upward for Nebraska football. And I just think it goes back to the way Trev Alberts conducted the, the search, and in finding Matt Rule. I think we were all a little skeptical and you know curious as to what, what he was going to bring. But I, I can't, I don't see anything so far that Matt Rule has done wrong in his short tenure as Nebraska's head coach. And those two guys are indicative of it. Bill, what do you make of the fact, you mentioned
3: the, the young staff, I believe you would be the oldest member of the staff had you been named a position coach. What do you make of that? Wow.
7: <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, you know, I, I think that that's significant. And, um, you know, it wasn't just the two coordinators, but uh, Knighton and uh, Omar and everybody that they're bringing in and, and Rayola. I love what they had to say about, you know, Rayola's hire. Um, I think it's significant because we are in a a unique era of college football where, you know, it ain't ain't old school no more other than bringing back the huddle apparently uh, and maybe the fullback. Um, But, you know, I think to have a staff that can uh, relate to today's student athlete in the NIL era, in the transfer portal era, you want to create those relationships with guys who understand you as a student athlete and if, if they're somewhat genera- generationally close together, maybe that transfer portal isn't as uh, appealing um, uh, as it might be at other places where they may not have that kind of vibe going on. And so I, I think it's positive. And I think Matt Rule is, Matt Rule's well in his late 40s. So, you know, I think he knows what he wants in those guys.
2: Bill Dolman's with us. Find him on Twitter. Although I will just-
7: this. It is odd that the receivers coach is, what, three years younger than your starting quarterback? I mean,
2: that's pretty yeah. unique,
7: but go ahead. <laughs>
3: two for he's my age. He's my age. Well well played.
7: <laughs> well, uh, oh, Bill, at Bill I,
3: Dolman on Twitter is where you find him. Go ahead. How about this? Flip it around. The wide receivers coach, Bill, is two years older than your students.
7: <laughs> well, maybe he's, maybe he's going to be in one of my classes. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing when you see that. But I think it, you just have to trust Matt Rule, uh, you know, with with uh, is it Jody McGuire, who's at uh, Texas Tech and understand their relationship. And then you see why he would make the hire and bring on a 23, 24 year old guy to be the receivers coach. Uh, he's certainly not going to break your bank. Uh, that's for sure. He'd probably making minimum wage, you know, and unfortunately Nebraska is having an increase, I think, in that. So maybe that was enticing. Or he's got to get a paper route. I don't, I don't know. But um, <laughs> certainly, certainly they've been very, uh, very smart in the way they have been budgeting their assistant coaches and bringing in a young staff like that.
2: All right, Bill, we're going to play fullback burnout. I see a fullback. you got to follow Elijah. you got to come with one, and we'll just go till we run out. Uh, Tom <laughs> Rathman, go, Bill Dolman. Donnie Donnell. Andy Janovich. Hey. Uh, I'm going to go Roger Craig. Uh,
7: Jeff McAvicka.
2: Uh Joel
3: McAvica. Okay. Oh, that was easy. Brian Schuster. Omar Soto. Nice. <laughs> Ironhead Hayward. Uh, Nebraska fullback. Jess Nebraska? Oh, I'm screwed now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Okay.
2: We need the Jeopardy music. Uh, Nebraska fullback. Dane Todd. Okay, good work. Back oh. to me, fullback burnout I'm with uh, with Bill Dolman. Uh, I am going to go with, uh, gosh, Mark, uh, help me. I'm, uh, this would be bad if I burn out here. Uh, the guy from 83. Uh, I'm not helping. Mark. Mark Shaleen. Uh, Shaleen. Mark Shaleen. 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 I Shouldn't just have helped made helped him. Yeah. Shouldn't have helped him. Bill, you're up. Uh, of course, Corey Schlesinger. Okay, uh, Mike McNeil. Nice. Wow. Mike McNeil's a, a, a good call. I got to go. Um, my generation.
3: I'm out of one's. No, that, generation that's that's now,
2: absolutely fine. Uh, and Dominic and Sue. He played fullback. That for doesn't count. Plays. That doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> uh, no. That okay, count. Sam Schmidt. Sam Schmidt. Lance Lewis. Ooh, good work.
3: Oh, that might be me being out now. I'm trying to think back. We've made it through the 90s. We've made it through the 2000s. There's not many, many to talk about the 2010s aside from Janovich, and I can't go back to the 80s and name fullbacks, I don't think. Are you out? Give me a second Tapping here. Out? Give me a second here. Let's see if there's any helpful in the comments. Brennan's, Brennan's giving you a little help. Judd Davies. Yeah,
7: yeah. Boom. Billy Leggett.
0: <laughs> Billy Leggett.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's a good one, but, but you know, you're, you're, you're reaching. You, already, you phoned a friend.
2: I said Billy Legate. Legate.
7: Well, all right. I, I, I'm. I'm going to put the cap on this.
2: Frank Solich. Ooh, good work. Good work. Paul Paul Castle. Wow. Oh, I got one more. Was Thunder got- Thornton, fullback. Who? Thunder Thornton.
7: Bill Thornton. Yeah. We'll,
3: we'll he is that. today.
7: He is today.
3: I got, Elijah. I got one more. The younger Legate. Is that Corey Legate? Is there
2: such thing as a Corey Legate? Yeah, he was there like uh, the, the, the 2009 years. Babcock's nodding his head somewhere, probably. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. You went Dane if, if Todd. Anybody's got,
7: if anybody's got the full list of it, it would be Mike Babcock. There's no doubt about yeah.
2: that. Uh, I, we said it earlier, but uh, Miles, the uh, Les Miles' son that was here as part ben of the, uh, the recruiting. Ben Miles. So that's mine. Bill Dolman, you're up. No, fullback, well,
7: I don't. I don't think I can go much deeper than uh, what I did. I, you know, you mm. might win it.
3: Well, I think you're the big winner. I, I need to make a correction. It was not Corey Legate. It was Tyler Legate.
2: That ring a bell? Mm. So does that dis- disqualify me? Okay. That, that made well, disqualify myself. That was fun, that that was a fun <laughs> exercise. We went, we went through uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of fullbacks there. I, I but, wish we uh, had
3: more than just like non-Husker fullbacks. I can name some good NFL fullbacks for you. I had, I had Ironhead cool. ready to go on deck. Uh, you got uh, Mike Allstott. From the mm-hmm. the the Buccaneers I, that, Bay. that might be as uh, as deep as it goes. Howard Griffin
7: well you know and people in the last 24 hours have, have, have been reminding of, uh, of Peyton Hillis you know who, who oh. saved his children from uh, drowning in the ocean and apparently you know he is he's still struggling uh in the hospital but a uh, true hero um mm. Peyton Hillis from from the University of Arkansas played it played with the Denver Broncos who probably won't be coached by Jim Harbaugh but uh nevertheless uh Thoughts and prayers. I hate
2: to say that prayers for Peyton Hillis. Mm-hmm. Bill, yeah. you, you mentioned Harbaugh, and what do you make of the uh, the uh, infractions that are on deck here for Michigan football?
7: <laughs> I hope specifically- this goes on and on. This is, this is such a joke on the NCAA. It's like they're they're trying to be relevant again, right? You know, Mark Emmert's mm-hmm. on his way out. They're bringing in the governor, of Massachusetts, and and let's let's remind everybody that the the NCAA is still in charge of collegiate athletics. What I got a kick out of, and by the way, if if there is a penalty that comes down, it will be uh, against Harbaugh and not against the University of Michigan, based on what I read in the Detroit Free Press. But what I got a kick out of in reading this article, it said he would be in violation of severe breach of conduct. Okay, and seriously undermining or threatening the integrity of collegiate sports. When you've got half the recruiting class at Texas A&M last year making more money than assistant coaches in the NIL era and the bags of money that are now given on top of the table and not underneath it, the NCAA wants to talk about seriously undermining or threatening the integrity of collegiate sports. Where has the NCAA been over the last 20 years Ten years, five years. And speaking of that, isn't Kansas still the defending national champion in in basketball despite the fact that the FBI has been investigating that sport since 2017? Kansas won a national title under a major NCAA investigation, right? That has sent people to prison, but they're going to get Jim Harbaugh for talking to people during the COVID pandemic. And don't I mean, forget buying burgers. i buy a happy man. And I hope it goes on and on and on so that the NCA can be further exposed for the joke that it has become as an organization.
2: Well put. Well I don't said. Have an on. Does he go to the NFL? Does he end up in Indy or Jacksonville?
7: You know, after what he said the other day, I I, I think, I, had he not made that statement, and regardless of what the whole NCAA, th- I think yes. Uh, but had he not said I'm staying at Michigan and then this stuff with the NCA starts to heat up. If he leaves now, he looks as bad or worse than Pete Carroll, just because there's more scrutiny on Pete Carroll leaving USC the way he did for Seattle. Right. Well, but I, I, I think you'd have a hard time leaving now, but if I think if it's the Broncos or Indianapolis, I don't think in Carolina, but I could see, I could see him still going, but it would, it would look really bad if he did. Well, I could, I, I wouldn't put it past him. It
3: should be noted in that statement, he never said, I'm not going to be anywhere else. He said, as of right now, my plan is to be with the Michigan Wolverines Mm -hmm. in 2023. And he said, everyone from players to coaches is getting interest from other places. And and I'm no exception. And for now, my plan is to be with Michigan in 2023. He he really said a whole bunch of nothing with that statement. You're
7: right. You're right. Yeah. I can go on. I could. Yeah.
2: Troy weighs in on Twitter, Willie Miller. Oh, yeah. Oh, good what one. You, okay. What a great story uh, Willie Miller is, too, turning his life
7: yes. around and a person in Omaha.
2: What a great, Rick, great story. Rick Burns. Was he more I-back? He was Tony back? Tony Davis? More eyeback.
7: Oh, Doug, Tony Will, D- Doug oh, Wilkening. Awful.
2: Doug Wilkening. Yeah. yeah. And he, let's not for great, forget the, the great uh, late Andre Franklin. Oh, uh, absolutely. Incredible yep. ball player. Yeah. Bill, we'll uh, run you down next week. Sound good, partner? Yep. Next week will work, and we will talk about Georgia's win over TCU
7: and Nebraska's big wins in college basketball. Enjoy the hotel room. (laughs) Uh, Go Big Red.
2: GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Bill Dolman. Be sure to get that podcast downloaded uh, with Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Can watch the show. On YouTube, the Hail Varsity channel, the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter page, as well at H Varsity Radio, you can catch Coffee and Cream, Damon and Andrew weekday mornings. That streams live, and then of course ESPN, Lincoln Twitter, and Facebook. Brady Altman, staff writer with Hail Varsity, joins us now to talk some more Nebraska. It's been a good fullback Friday, Brady. We we just played a game of fullback burnout with. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, Elijah participated as well. It was great stuff, and we got uh, what would you say about twenty-five fullbacks, in, Elijah?
3: Oh, yeah, somewhere. Uh, let's see, we made it like eight rotations, I think, seven or eight rotations. So yeah. seven times through, twenty-one. Let's, let's put mm-hmm. it at twenty-one, probably. Uh,
2: your your first inductee to the Brady Altman's Fullback Hall of Fame from Nebraska is who? Uh
0: oh, Schlesinger, Corey mm-hmm. Schlesinger. That's that's yeah. the, the first ballot. Anything really? Yes. <laughs>
2: No, nope. uh, today is a day that uh, McAvick is smiling. Celestin staring at all his broken face masks on his wall uh, for sure. And and uh, of course, Tom Rathman's just kind of probably uh, stroking the goatee a little bit, uh, saying, yep, uh, fullbacks are back. But uh, in all seriousness, Brady, takeaways from both coordinators today that uh, got to meet the media.
0: Well, I, th- I think you and I kind of touched on it a little bit right afterwards. Um, these these guys are obviously knowledgeable about football and their concepts. I think we kind of knew that, or at least one would hope that if you're going to coach at a high level, you're knowledgeable about it. But they've they've kind of already got a vision of what they want to do. I mean, Marcus Satterfield laid out his ideas. Um, he's a he's got conviction for a huddle up pro style offense, but. He explained it well. I mean, a way to have the quarterback be a commander of the offense and he, he likes the depth in the quarterback room. He wants a little bit more depth at um, offensive linemen. I think that's evident in their portal activity and what the program has done in the last couple of weeks. They're already secured Ben Scott uh, from Arizona state through the portal. They're hosting a couple of other kids and a couple of other offensive linemen from the portal this weekend. Um, he, I, I think you put the the Matt Rule stereotype of a receiver, you know, fast guys and develop them into something on the outside and that could work. And then um, the way that I, I asked Satterfield, he feels good about the the quarterback room. How does he feel about the running back room, knowing that they want to run the ball? And he was ex- kind of explicit in that. And he said, they, they haven't got a chance to feel these guys out. Um, Tony White was kind of the same way. He's got ideas. He likes the athleticism in the secondary. He thought the team played hard and the defense played hard at times. They just needed to have a unified vision and they could have turned out a lot better. Um, He likes Ty Robinson. He mentioned specifically that he almost or he tried to recruit at Arizona State. So they're familiar but again you go back to the feeling keep in mind these guys have basically been thrown at recruiting right away. So they haven't even really got to know where the guys are on the roster now where they fit into the scheme. But You know, without having seen them play and without having seen them workouts and all of that, that that they need to do, uh, I think they like where they're at and they like where the roster's at, with, you know, with the exception of a couple of of wants and needs that they want to get in through the portal here finally.
3: Now, Brady, whenever Coach Chatterfield gets up there and says he wants a pro style offense with a fullback, that almost seems to fly in the face of adding a transfer portal like Sims, who's a guy who likes to use his legs, be athletic. But then I, I think and I go, well, if you consider the Ravens' offense pro style, they use the fullback with Ricard. They have a running quarterback with Lamar Jackson. They utilize a lot of RPOs. Do you think that the Nebraska offense in its final form could resemble something like what we see with the Baltimore Ravens right now?
0: I think it definitely could. Um, one of the things I actually thought about was we saw it. Um, I, I tennis, some team Alabama played, I wanted to say Tennessee, but I don't think that that's right, where they lined up in a conventional I formation, and even Nick Saban afterwards was like, our guys look lost. They didn't know what they wanted to do, <laughs> you know, against an I formation because they hadn't seen it. You go back to the Rose Bowl, and Penn State runs a T formation, you know, old school T formation. They score a touchdown out of it. Um, I think that this might be an instance where something is so old that it might be new again, and that you're really having to see uh, – Teams that aren't used to scheming against this kind of offense, especially in the Big Ten, even though it is very Big Ten friendly and it's, you know, conditioning and, and environment – um, this could be something that teams are really going to have to reckon with. And the the fullback and a bruising lead blocker that'll work in any system. You get a guy that can an offensive line that can get a push for four yards, and a guy that can run behind them and, and get an extra two on top of that. That'll work in any style of offense and in any environment. And I think that that's kind of where it comes into it. You know, they, whether they get a, a mobile quarterback or not, that just adds another layer to your offense and another you know a little wrinkle to something you can throw in there.
2: Brady Altman's with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Brady Altman's on Twitter. Read him with Hail Varsity. Brady, gonna take uh, a question here from the uh, the stream, and uh, Matt weighs in. How do you feel about the D line? Four four stars coming into the program. Of course, Garrett uh, is departing, uh, and uh, you also had Coach White explain that. Listen. He loves the three-three-five because of its versatility. We've we've talked about that here over the few weeks since his hire, but he pretty much painted a really exciting picture. If you're a Nebraska fan, to to know that he's going to use the groceries that he believes can uh, can taste the best.
0: Yeah, um, I think. Well, anytime that you're going to lose O'Shaun and Garrett um, to the NFL draft, and then. Um, and Colton, you know, announced that he's just gonna hang him up and, and focus on his life outside of football. That that's gonna hurt. And I think I I mentioned something about the coaching staff wanting to focus on Nebraska guys, but they let a big Nebraska guy and Garrett, you know, get away to the NFL draft. Um, I caught a little bit of flack for that, but I think the and, and granted that extra, you know, year of COVID eligibility, he would have been gone anyway, you know, so you kind of take it with a grain of salt. But they lose guys that you'd like to have. You'd like to have some game experience, kind of there. But they do have some some semblance of an edge rusher. They do have Ty Robinson back in. They've got a couple of guys who um, transferred in last year that don't really have the same uh, a- amount of snaps that they've pl- they've placed. But they do have you know big D one experience. And the thing with the three three five that also works interesting is is to the point about personnel. It's a it's a system that if you're down in, like, defensive tackles, you can really scheme along with that and and get guys to fit in and, and edge rushers to fit in well with that. I know Princewell, um, who's going to be playing this weekend in the All-American Bowl, and, and Husker fans can watch him there. He's one that um, Terrence Knighton thinks very highly of and says could compete for, you know, big playing time right away. So they've got guys that they like to come in. Obviously, they're hitting the portal and getting a couple of, like, you know, MLB spot starters where they want here and there. But I don't know. I'm being a defensive line guy. I think that there's definitely question marks up around there, but the the defense is built to scheme around that and to fit the personnel that they have and and put them in the best positions. Brady, at this
3: point in time, are we convinced that Malachi Coleman is going to be a wide receiver? He's down competing the all America bowl right now as as well and competing at the wide receiver position, but he's a guy who played that rush end spot in high school and did very, very well there. His speed and athleticism really gave high school offensive tackles a lot of problems, is there still a chance that Malachi Coleman could move over the defensive side of the ball and play some edge rusher?
0: I think there is a possibility of it. I think he, I can't remember where, but he, he had mentioned afterwards that when he was talking with Matt Rule about it, they want to get him in at receiver and try him out there, but they're not throwing the book away on anything else that he does about throwing him in at special teams, putting him in at edge, um, even uh, like third, being a third down pass rusher, you know, with his with limbs and length to get him in there. I know that that was... Uh, I don't obviously I don't know if that's something that they're going to stick to, but it is a possibility that they've thrown out there, and they're they're really focusing and concentrating on being a possibility because the Matt Rule scheme is you get athletes in, you get guys that can make plays, and you develop them into different things. They're not bound by a set role or a set position. They kind of bounce around and everything. And I think Malachi fits that easily, um, and inherently the defense is going to have to fit that too because they are down guys. But I mean, let's be real. This is also Nebraska. You've got no shortage of big uglies to throw up front there if you need them.
2: Brady Altman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Brady, a couple of names I uh, want to get your take on here with the portal visitors this weekend. Walter Rouse, Stanford left tackle. Your assessment of, of his fit potentially and Nebraska's competition for him. Uh, Micah uh, uh, Mazzuka, uh Baylor guard that's played a lot of football as well. Uh, back around to to why he went to Baylor, which was Matt Rule. Now he's looking at uh, make, making making uh, the, the transfer into Lincoln because coach rules back in college.
0: Yeah. uh Mike is an interesting one because he's got plenty of snaps. I mean, his, his experience is there. He developed into something pretty special. And I think that that would be a big get, um, especially, especially at that position. I mean, you never can have too many strong, you know, uh, blindside blockers and guys on the, on the line um, with Rouse he kind of excites me a little bit because I think that he's, an, he's one that could easily slip under the radar playing in Stanford's offense. I mean, Stanford football hasn't been in the last couple of years, what it had been in years prior, especially under Harbaugh Harbaugh in the initial Shaw years. And I think it's, it's easy for an offensive lineman to kind of fall through the cracks there, but he's got a, a strong body. He's obviously intelligent in the schemes that they want to do and in the block and they want to do. Um, he might, you know, kind of backslide a little bit in pass protection, but he's got quick feet to get that strong initial surge on run blocking. And I, I, I think that he's a guy who has upside potential coaching through um, at Nebraska uh, in this system.
3: Brady, the way, the way I see it is that with Rouse, you're getting a guy who really at this point in time, has got one year of eligibility. He is what he is. You're not gonna have that much time to make strides with Mazzucca. He's gotten some, some, Good play time. He's still got a ceiling that he can still reach. And that's kind of how I see these two. With, with I'm not sure either of them are going to step in on campus and be instant day one starters the day they get here. They're going to have to work for it. But that's the difference I see between the two. Rouse the guy who is what he is, and Mazuka's a guy that still has some room for development.
0: Yeah, well, you look at their – they like the guys that they've got in, in the, you know, high school recruiting class or conventional recruiting class, however you want to say it. Um, and they've obviously got guys that are still there from previous years. But they get Ben Scott – a train, you know, transfer in, they get, they're looking at these two guys. They want bodies that can play right away and they want to develop them obviously, but they know that they're going to lose a couple of offensive linemen or because of depth issues that they have dealt with, you know, last year, they want to have enough guys to throw out there to make a competitive offensive line movement. And I I think anytime that you can add depth and competition, at least from what I've heard today and even previously through rule, anytime you can add depth and competition, it's going to make that position automatically better and inherently better, and I think that that's what they're hoping for here. And who, what kid doesn't want to learn from a coach who was at the NFL and a coaching staff that, by by and large, has NFL experience? I, I think that's appealing for a lot of these kids.
2: Brady, real quick, bud, what's coming up from you with Hale Varsity? oh uh, well i just
0: actually wrapped up a little uh, big wide uh, scope story for the magazine for this next upcoming issue on some recruiting looking at the coaching staff's national reach in recruiting other than that probably exploring a little bit more of what we're looking at here uh from coordinators today and looking at a bigger scale um the all-american national combine is is today we'll have results on that probably further tonight in the all-american bowl on saturday so there's no shortage of football to be had my friends
2: HailVarsity.com and a magazine at Brady Altman's on Twitter. Brady, we'll see you this weekend. Thanks for the time, bud. Appreciate you guys. See ya. See ya, bud.
1: And now. And now, back to
2: Hale Varsity Radio. Widening down a Friday, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment, financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, big thanks to. Brady Altman's and Bill Dolman, also Jacob Padilla. We'll get to some uh, steak and beer bet picks with the NFL weekend. A few more thoughts, though, on the coordinator press conferences today with Coach Satterfield and Coach Tony White. Uh, Let's hear a little bit here from Tony White on the why. Why Nebraska? Why leave where he's been and why come to Lincoln? Whenever you're talking about a
6: situation where – you're in a good place. I mean, I was in a good place with with Syracuse and and Coach Babers and those young men over there played their butts off for me um, in the university. And when an opportunity presents itself like this, I think it it comes down to a lot of factors. You know, me and my family talking, um, the relationship with Coach Rule going back to when I was a player and he was was coming in to be a GA. And then, um, again, I said this once before, but you know, I think first impressions are, are really big. And when I was in middle school and high school, that was kind of like the birth of of me understanding what college football was and playing football. And that's the, you know, you look at me in middle school and, and I graduated in 90, 96, 97 from high school. That was Nebraska, right? That That's Nebraska. You looked up and you saw Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. So you add in all that stuff and then just, sitting around talking about it with the family, and I thought it was something that you, you could not pass it up.
2: Tony White on Why Nebraska? And you know what? That is so big, that that first impression, what resonates, and he is a, a proud member of the 90s, is uh, when did you get out of school? When did you start following or figuring out what sports you loved and teams you liked? And Tony White's like, dude, Nebraska was it, and they were. They were Bama before Bama uh, 25-plus years ago. You have Nebraska and where they need to go. How are they going to get there? They're going to get there with track speed. They're going to get there with uh, physicality. They're going to get there with athletes off the edge and big dudes up front. More from Tony White here on Nebraska being special again.
6: You walk in and you see the national championship trophies. You see the you see the Heisman. I mean, you know you you walk around. You you see why this place has been special and can be special. You know, there's there's no doubt there, and uh, it only adds to the fact that Coach Rule and his plan has worked. Um, the things he believes in, the staff he's 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 put together. I think again, it's uh, it's it's very easy when you walk around here and you see and you feel it. It's it's something it's something special.
2: More from Coach White uh, as the defense needs to be Elijah and play a certain way. I would say the the, the passion you want you want to see a, a a group of
6: guys out there that when they play, they don't look at the score. They they have fun watching those young men play their butts off, and everything will take care of itself. You know, and there's a lot of pieces that go into that, but when they take the field. You're going to know that they're playing for Nebraska, okay? They're part of a tradition that's really unlike any other in the, in the country, okay, that I, I got to make sure I do right, all right? But that you don't have to look up at the score, that when that defense runs out there, you're going to sit up in your seats, you're going to grab your popcorn, you're going, you're going to pay attention because those, those
2: boys are going to play. It is about passion. You have that energy, and it, it's really an attitude, Elijah, well,
3: as you was saying, the last time I remember there being a Nebraska defense like that was probably Bo Pelini circa 2010-2011, where you didn't watch the football game to watch the offense score points, you watched the the defense cause havoc. That's why, mm-hmm. you, why you turned on Husker football games, that defense making plays in the backfield, that defense getting sacks, uh, getting picks and, and making a short field, and it's almost like being an Iowa football fan where you're definitely not watching for the offense, like... That, that, that was that was what it was watching between, I mean, the, the Bo Pliny years, 2008 to 2012 specifically, where it was, you know what, the offense taking a backseat to the, the defense, and I'm going to tune into this football game and see what kind of havoc the defense causes. And it seems like that's what Tony White wants to be, is like, you know what, the offense is going to be nice, the offense is going to score some points, but I don't want people to tune into a Husker football game to watch the offense. I want them to tune in and watch my defense, watch how we're going to cause havoc, how we're going to be in the backfield, and how we're going to give Big Ten teams fits with our physicality and with our speed. And, Whenever you hear that, I mean, obviously you had to see it on the field first, but you hear that and it it piques interest because, at least for me, that's what kind of invigorated my love for Husker football way back when, following the Callahan years, was, man, look at that defense out there making plays, being physical, making sure the offense feels them.
2: It it was really uh, a point of don't screw this up for the defense offense, Mm. right? If you go back to to 2009, so flexibility and the – Setup and system of the three-three-five. A lot's been made of it. Here's D coordinator Tony White on the why he loves three-three-five.
6: The guy, who, the guy who kind of uh, really uh, came up and, and really redefined the three-three-five, Rocky Long, and he's the one who recruited me to UCLA, and then uh, he gave me a chance at the University of New Mexico, coaching linebackers there in uh, in two thousand and seven. And then when I went to San Diego State, the, all those times we were running the three through five, so it's something I, I grew up and I played in it, and then coached in it my whole time, and and really when you're when you're studying football, the three through five is just personnel. I mean, personnel wise, you're lining up with three D linemen, three linebackers, and five DBs. But football wise, that that's all that really nickel is. You know, nickel is four two five. I mean, we go three through five, but we line up in a ton of different different fronts and and all that kind of stuff. So really it's just, it's just the three through five is more personnel based.
2: Flexibility also super key with who they're going to recruit, who they're going to use and what the defense can do in the big 10. The
6: biggest thing there is, is, you know, I think that three, three, five, it, when you start off with that base, it it allows you to recruit and then really uh, be flexible with what you have. You know, I'm, I know that's a starting point, but then let's say you have a great year and you have a ton of defensive linemen. Well now you, you went from being a three three five to maybe a four two five. You know, maybe uh, you're down on D linemen and, and you have more backers. Well then it's a three three five. You know, so it, it, it gives you a chance to go out and recruit. And the great thing about Coach Rule is he is really, really big on on recruiting the big guys up front. So uh, we're gonna recruit our tail up up there and then kind of adjust the defense to the personnel that we
2: have. Last thought here from Coach White, uh, it's the black shirts, right? What do you think of the black shirts? What do you know of the black shirts? And he's well aware the, the responsibility is the guy that's leading the black shirts now.
7: Describe in detail your plans for the black shirt tradition, including what day each you year you'll hand them out, and how many
6: you'll hand them out. <laughs> I, I had a paragraph on the black shirt deal ready to go. But no no. The 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 most important thing I can do with that tradition is is Find knowledge, right? I got to I gotta talk to people who who have instilled it, who have lived it, who have done it the right way. I've, I've heard many different ways that they've done it, you know, that bringing old guys back, taking it away, doing it, waiting for a couple games, doing it in fall camp or, or spring. I've heard a lot of different things already. And the, the, the worst thing I can do is sit up here and say, I know I'm going to do it this way. No, that's something you, you don't mess around with. Because, again, I, I think that's one of the greatest – Kind of traditions you have in college football especially defensively wise you talk the black shirts again like as a you know as a kid running around you talked about putting on a black shirt and, act, and reenacting that you were part of the defense you know what i mean so i want to do it right I, I gotta i gotta talk to people who who have done it and and kind of figure out what the best way to do it and then and then i'll let you know
2: it's tony white will wind down a friday a tail varsity presented by currency
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time uh, basketball tonight locally here in Lincoln. And uh, Sister Station KFOR, we're going to have Southwest hosting Lincoln Southeast. I'll be on the call with that, along with Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith. That comes to you at 7.20. Hey, don't forget Elijah Herbel back in the studio as well. Well, I was going there. I wasn't <laughs> done yet. I wasn't done yet. We'll get to stake in a beer bet uh, shortly. Reminder to get buckled up. Using your seat belt saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, you can crank some music up here if we're going to pick five right now and see who gets to go crush a tasty steak and, and have a cold beer next uh, next weekend. Let
3: me get an, a notepad real quick to record all answers here so we can get back to it on Monday. We're saving
2: big letters on it so no one throws it away. Sure. Uh, we'll start off Chiefs, Raiders, minus nine. Nine. And I like the Chiefs to win. I love the Raiders to cover. Maybe that's crazy. I just think the Raiders, historically, when they've been in Vegas, which isn't too long, they played Kansas City pretty tight. But give me the Chiefs. Uh, 35-28, the win for KC, but the cover
3: for the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Chiefs know they need a win to have a chance at being that one seed. I know the NFL is going crazy with that one seed rule right now. But I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one convincingly.
2: 38-14, a big win for the Chiefs. they they got something to play
3: for this weekend, though.
2: Ravens, Bengals, Cincy minus nine. I know Baltimore has been a bit of a mess with their injury situation. Nine's too many. And I like Cincinnati to win, but I like Baltimore to cover somehow. And give me the Bengals 27-21 since he wins and the Ravens cover.
3: Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you on this one, so uh, that's unfortunate. But I'm going to go with the under. You you picked the over. I'm going to pick the under. I got sure. the uh, the Bengals winning this one 20-13. Not much offense to go around, but the Bengals do get the job done. So maybe that's our tiebreaker is uh, the over and the under on that one.
2: What game are you circling right
3: now? You lead first here, Elijah. Okay, I am going to go with the Titans and the Jaguars. I think this is a fun one. I think the Jaguars are getting hot at the right time. I don't think six and a half points is enough. I think the Jaguars with a convincing 31-21 to 21 victory over the Titans. So I'm going to take the Jaguars minus six and a half.
2: Over/under is forty. Give me the under all day. You take the over. I'll take the over. Sure. Okay.
4: So I and I, I we will record.
2: wind down.
4: We Detroit. Have to yeah. Yeah.
2: Detroit. Green Bay. Pack minus five. Lions have put up a ton of points. What do you think? Uh, Are you going Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers? Are you going Detroit and Mr. Goff? I got Lions outright in this one, 24 to 21. I disagree vehemently. Uh, I think the five is a little tricky. But I think uh, Green Bay Bay wins. I think Detroit covers 28-24. That might be too few points. Maybe 35-31. 35-31, Green Bay wins. Detroit covers. We'll see who gets the end zone dance next Friday between you and I and a steak and a beer. We'll see. I got them all recorded, so. Weekend edition tomorrow morning. Check us out. ESPN Lincoln 7 to 9. Have a great Friday. Thanks for spending time with Hale Varsity.
3: A Huda Media Production.